Well, hello White Sox fans, and welcome to another edition of White Sox Daily Live. My name is Ian Eskrich. I'm here with my co-host, the Danny Miller. How you doing, Danny? Uh, doing okay, you know. Uh, just really looking forward to uh, getting into this thing tonight, you know. I uh, spent some time away for the weekend yet again. Good. Imagine that. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, in uh, true fashion, I was able to, uh, you know, catch some White Sox Twitter to keep me abreast of what was going on over the weekend. And all I'll say is there is a lot, a lot to unpack here tonight, <laughs> brother. Uh, so, you know, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. The last 48 hours have been who some of the most interesting of the season and not for all the right reasons. So. Anywho, how you doing, man? What's uh, what's going on uh, in Ian's world? I'm doing well. Um, just got back. We were out of town, me and uh, John Rudels, out uh, traveling. And uh, we went to a uh, Cardinals game, went to a Royals game uh, last week. And uh, then we had like a little family reunion thing down in Missouri and hung out with some family. That was nice. Um so, you know, video was a little uh, lag- lacking this weekend because I was gone, and, um, you know, there's that. But uh, otherwise, um, yeah, I, of course, saw the uh, <laughs> the stuff over the weekend, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get into that obvi- obviously. Um, not really <laughs> any way that you can get around talking about that because it's no. just such... Uh, debacle. <laughs> yeah, um, I'll say this: some of this stuff I really don't want to talk about. To be completely honest with you, but yeah. we uh we do do a a White Sox podcast slash live stream here on uh, Twitch and uh, YouTube, and uh, you know, unfortunately, as much as I would not like to talk about it, I think it's pretty much expected, especially when uh, it's as big. And blown up as uh, some of these things have become. So, you know, it is what it is. I guess we'll uh, we'll say our piece and then hopefully, you know, be done with it after uh, after this night show. <laughs> I, you know, what do you I think, man. I don't think that we're going to be done with it, but uh, you know, we can uh, hope that we're done talking about it. Um, I'm watching the White Sox Yankees game right now on my my uh, TV here. And uh, Giancarlo Stanton versus Lane Ramsey, and Lane is having a, a little bit of a tough time. Um, you know, his first outing yesterday, he got four guys out, and that was awesome. And now he just walked the bases loaded. So, um, you know, Lane will have the tendency to possibly do that every once in a while, um, but he's got really nasty stuff. So, you know. Hopefully he can manage to figure his way out of this. Um, Yeah, like you and I were talking before the show a little bit here. uh, I will say this. I know a lot of folks were up in arms over, you know, trading away uh, a good portion of the bullpen. And uh, the thing is, with the White Sox, we've talked about this a lot on this show in the past. The one thing that the White Sox have been able to develop for many, many moons now is uh, bullpen pitching. So. I'm not overly concerned at the moment. You know, if Lane Ramsey has one of his outings where he kind of, you know, fumbles a little bit, it's totally fine. It's a lost season at this point. Uh, let him 
get his, uh, you know, take his licks and get his lumps and uh, continue to, you know, develop at the major league level. Because if anybody's been paying attention, he's done pretty much everything he needs to do down in, uh, you know, in the minors. So it's his time. So no big deal. Uh, And, you know, hopefully uh, we see a few more of these guys do exactly the same thing as we'll, you know, get into a little bit more tonight on the show. Yeah. Um, So one of the things that we had talked about um, at one point, uh, you know, post-draft, and uh, I think it was last week, and one the thing that I had I had mentioned to you that maybe there might be an issue with some of the guys that the White Sox have been drafting, and not getting guys from winning programs that that don't really um, possibly have you know we the, we're going to get into the culture bit about the White Sox culture. Um, but um, what, We are, indeed. Yeah, but one of the things that uh, I wanted to bring up is as far as the cultures, you know, you have to have guys that know how to win. And, you know, we can sit here and we can look at, um, you know, all of the metrics and everything, but there are certain things that – you can't necessarily, you know, like when you draft these guys in there, you have to build this kind of culture and not have a, um, you know, like just kind of a they'll figure it out thing. You kind of have to get like a winning culture going to to get these guys to understand how to win and expect to win. And um, Clint Hurdle made a tweet Yesterday was it two the days ever ago? Quotable Clint Hurdle, by the way. Yeah. The guy comes up with some really good ones. I will yeah. say, and, and you know he got he got uh, dropped by the Pirates, and you know that is what that is, whatever. But uh, I happen to uh, really like the quote that he the this tweet that he put out there, and I'm gonna go ahead and bring that up now. Uh, oh, and I forgot to take this stinger off. Hey, oh, well, you know, it's, it's fun. It's so, fun. So much fun. Um, it is a nice I mean, transition, you know, as a White Sox a fan, long. Well, you know, as a White Sox fan, you never get sick of the uh, the pinwheels. Yeah. So I, um, I have to say, uh, I, to, to and, and, you know, like uh, Kyle Body from Driveline <laughs> says, I woke up today and I, I saw this tweet from Clint Hurdle throwing my company under the bus. And, you know, uh, Clint and him had a little bit of a conversation on Twitter, and it ended up being that uh, Clint said, you know, hey, it's not that I don't respect what you guys do and not that your information isn't invaluable, which it it absolutely is. But a hundred percent is. But, you know, and and like I completely agree with him, you know, there's a thing where, you know, you have to have guys that have guts. And um, <clears throat> speaking of that, uh, this has been a very uh, odd couple of days on White Sox Twitter. And there's a lot of people at each other's throats. And one of the things that has been said about one Tim Anderson uh, is that he had the guts to step up and throw hands. And so I'm going to go ahead and uh, I chopped up a little of the video uh, from the game the other night, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and bring that up so we can watch that, and uh, then we will discuss. All right. 
First base, fair ball, tracing the paint to the right field corner. Colas has a shot at him. Oscar's throw is not in time. He just missed him at second base. This is another rocket of a throw, and now... Oh, boy. Now oh, my goodness. Here come the benches. Off we go. It started with Anderson and Ramirez. Swings being taken. Kopech had to hold him back, and everybody's spilling out here in Cleveland. Andrew Vaughn is doing a great job of making sure that Tim Anderson cannot go where he wants to go right now. I think Daryl needs to really help him here because Tim is a really strong guy and Andrew is having some problems holding him back. Tuki Toussaint has been trying to shepherd Tim Anderson out because you don't want a lengthy suspension to go with the ejection. And now here come the benches some more. Pedro Griffol having words. Yaz just came sprinting back up the stairs in his catcher's gear. And we have some version of round two. Eddie Rodriguez with, is in there with DeMarlo with Hale. DeMarlo Hale Who seems to want a piece of Pedro evidently oh my goodness Mike Sarbaugh now getting after Pedro Griffol and off we go spilling into foul territory in as long of a brawl as you're going to see in Major League Baseball nowadays and it's, and it's not over no it's still going on and there's still a few guys ready to unload some punches in this one well no, my goodness, Tim Anderson is out of the dugout again. And Andrew Vaughn is having to restrain <laughs> him back to the dugout. Eloy Jimenez is just totally apoplectic and maybe he hurt himself in all of this. That's usually what. So, um, I'll open this up to you. Uh, how, who's at fault? Oh, man. See, I was really hoping to, uh, get your opinion on this. Cause honestly, I got a couple of things to say, but you know what? Since you asked, I'll go ahead and throw it out there. I don't know really who's at fault here because I don't know what was said that made Tim throw the gloves down like a hockey player on the ice. Uh, you know, obviously he took exception to whatever Jose Ramirez, you know, had to say. I know I read later on that Jose Ramirez's excuse was that Timmy tagged me hard. Yeah. He tagged me. He put the tag on me hard. There's a lot of speculation out there that, you know, it goes back to the game before the day before where, you know, Tim may have pushed another player's hand off the bag to get an out. You know, there's there's been a little bit of, uh, you know, some tensions between the, the Guardians and the White Sox in the past. 
Uh, you know, there's a lot of speculation on all that, but the real the reality is, is I don't really know what was said. Uh, Tim may have put a swipe tag on, you know, Jose's head, but it, honestly, it looks like he caught the ball and tried to make a play on a guy who was going head first in the second base. So who slid, you know, that's base. baseball. Yeah. You're right. Who actually slid through second base. That's baseball. Things like that are going to happen right now. Jose Ramirez giving Tim the old cup check while he's down on the ground is another, uh, that's another issue that I don't see a problem with Tim taking, you know, with taking some, uh, uh, well, I should, I guess say taking an issue with that, you know, you're going to go, you know, flailing at my junk. I'm not going to be happy about that, but, uh, you know, honestly, I don't really care who's at fault. I don't care who won or lost the damn fight. You know, there's a lot of this stuff going back and forth. There's a lot of Sox fans that are out there that are trying to defend Tim Anderson, saying, you know, huh, he didn't get knocked out. He didn't get deboed. He was already stumbling and fell down. You know, uh, there's there's a contingent of folks that are like, he lost a fight. There's a contingent of folks that are out there that are saying, you know, what fight? It was a couple of guys throwing haymakers. To be completely honest, in, in my perspective, the whole thing was that uh, Jose Ramirez got lucky to connect as well as he did with that one because his head was turned away and looking yeah. down because Tim Anderson was trying to put, you know, some gloves on him too. And uh, yeah, he connected on one. Whoop de doo! I don't really care who who won or who lost. My take on the whole thing is, is you know, it's baseball. We've seen benches clear before. There's always going to be one side who thinks they're right and the other side who thinks they're right and people are going to come to their own conclusions and the reality is, is i don't particularly like to watch brawls unless it's you know yoenna cespedes trying to take on an entire team by himself that was quite funny yeah i know but What's uh, that? uh 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 dude with the uh with the reds uh, um um, trying to remember his name off the top of my head. He's been terrible this last uh, last two years, so I can't off the top of my head think of who it is. It's the uh, relief pitcher for the Reds, and I can't remember off the top of my head. But, um, yeah, no, fights like that are fun. Um, but, yeah, this, you know, I, you know, like I, I will say I don't think that um, either one is at fault necessarily, but I will say, you know, like uh, – you know, everybody wants to paint Jose Ramirez as being innocent uh, with the whole thing. And, you know, when somebody gets up and starts putting their finger, you know, two inches away from your eyes. Right. That's the other part. Yeah. And like the thing is, you know, I don't know if you've seen, but, uh, you know, Jose Ramirez is saying, oh, I'm sorry that that I did this. And, you know, teammates that know me, you know, know that I'm not like that. And uh, I've reached out to Tim trying to to apologize and um, I haven't gotten any response back. Well, I mean, I I'm, should you? Yeah, I'm just saying, you know, it, Pusher asks in the in the chat, what did why is Ramirez so mad in the first place? And I don't have an answer because to me, it didn't look, you know, like if you, if you're sliding head first and you're sliding through the bag by a couple of feet on a play like that, to me, it looked kind of like he was just going out of his way to try and start something. 
And yeah, you know, with the attitude, you know, which he got up, you know, he's, you know, it's a, it was a bait like TA just, it was a baseball play as far as I'm concerned. It's exactly the words I was about to use. Yeah. It was a baseball play. There was no reason to take exception to any of it. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, Jose did. Yeah. And Tim took exception to what Jose had to say about it. And like you say, you know, you're sticking your fingers in my face. Like I said just a few minutes ago, right before he stuck his fingers in his face, he took a swipe at, at, at T.A.'s junk while T.A. was standing over him. T.A. was starting to make a move away from him, and he took a swipe at his cup, his groin area. I, dude, what do you expect? You know, everybody wants to put this on Tim Anderson, but quite frankly, Tim Anderson made a baseball play. He he didn't go out of his way to field the ball so that he had to make that swipe tag across his you know helmet. Uh, I, I don't get the hate and the disdain towards Tim for that. Uh, and I, you know, I, neither, I won't say I'm not going to put any blame on anybody. I'm just going to say that it was a baseball play and things got out of hand. Yeah, I don't know. It's like both of them pushed the umpire, um, right? And to me, it looked like. Jose Ramirez was ready to uh to start throwing down just as as quick as as TA was. And TA getting a 6 game and Jose Ramirez there getting was a 3 game. Thank you. I mean, I'm not saying I'm just saying to you know that that to me you know states that Jose Ramirez did less wrong than TA did, which yeah, and I the, don't find that the first person to start Possible. wagging fingers and wagging tongues was Ramirez, instigator. Yeah, totally. And you know, I mean, yeah, TA may have thrown the first punch, but you know, to to paint Again, Jose Ramirez know? as in, innocent in this whole thing is kind of ridiculous. And I mean the name the name of this show is Nuts and Guts. And uh I don't know that Tim Anderson threw the first punch, you know. Uh like I said, Jose Ramirez uh took uh took a swipe at uh you know making he he wanted to turn Timmy's nuts into a punching bag <laughs> before anything even happened. Yeah. yeah. It's out of speed bag, bro. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know. <laughs> um yeah, so I mean that that's pretty much how I feel about it. Now, the thing that I've seen is that uh you know, there's a lot of people up in arms on social media and there there's one of two opinions. There's the you know, TA's nothing but problems and they should get rid of him. And then there's other people are saying that TA is the only guy on the team who seems to care or has any heart. And personally, um, oh, we got some uh, got some Aaron Boone yelling at the umpire action going on right now. Yeah, he's not liking the strike zone. Yeah, wah wah. Well, here we go. He's gonna li- draw a line. It's a two. Yeah, this this is this is. Uh... <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. The zone, you know, I'm, I'm looking. I'm watching the folks in the front row, and they can hear every word, and they are all grinning. Yeah, every last one of them is smiling and chuckling over there. So there must be some, you know, I'd love to be a fly on the wall right about now because <laughs> apparently they are entertained. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, oh. All right. So to get back to that, uh, the the other half of people are, you know, like they're saying that T.A. is the only one with heart. Um, so today a story came out. Um, and as this pertains to uh, T.A., I figured I would bring this up since uh, it's in the same thing. And, and this is like one of the main like blast off points for Twitter. Um, as far as like people either hating on TA or or defending TA, uh, so uh, Shane Rudin from Six Seventy The Score happened to put up a tweet and uh, did a, a you know told a story on Six Seventy The Score today on the Parkins and Spiegel show, and uh, more or less uh, the day before the All Star break, uh, Yasmani Grandal was not in the lineup. He apparently took exception to the fact that he wasn't in the lineup. He said, "Well, if I'm not in the lineup, then." I'm going to leave a day early or I'm going to leave today before the game, because if I'm not in the lineup, I'm leaving. And, uh, so they told him not to, you know, it's coaching staff told him not to whatever. Um, and apparently TA said, well, if he wants to leave, I'll buy his plane ticket and drive him there myself. And apparently he has money heard about it or heard it or whatever came in and, uh, T.A. was in the tub and apparently slapped him across the face. I don't doubt it. Yasmani is is disputing it, saying that it's, you know, that it didn't yeah, his, happen or whatever. his exact words were not real. It was the only... No, no. What he said is this is unreal. Unreal. Right. Yeah, which, okay. you know, but he said it's also... He said that it's, it's, <laughs> it's not... Uh, it didn't happen or whatever. But, um, right. you know... This is is more fuel to the fire saying that TA is the only person on this team that cares and, you know, he's got more heart than everybody. You know, I, I can see that, yeah, maybe that might possibly be a thing, but I can also possibly see and see. tell me if you're, you're, you're picking up what I'm putting down here. Maybe he just doesn't like Yaz. And he's saying, "Well, if he wants to go, I'll buy him an air. I'll buy him a ticket, and I'll drive him there myself." Yeah, you know, I mean, and if if this did happen, like as uh, the story is purported to have, um, I would imagine that the dislike is mutual. Um, so, um, yeah, the whole situation is just a. Uh, a complete cluster and uh what i mean just not fun yeah well i don't know if you saw this but now you know since all this has gone down in the last 48 hours with you know the benches clearing and i'll use air quotes you know brawl because you know i really don't i wouldn't call that a brawl it was a couple of haymakers thrown on both sides and then a bunch of uh Bunch of guys jaw jacking and pushing and shoving. Nothing really came of any of it, you know what I mean? But uh since that's all happened, there has been a media storm, right? About, you know, and, and a, a fan and Twitter storm and social media storm. Uh about all the stuff that's going on. And what gets me now is the out of market media that wants to jump in on this thing. And paint Tim Anderson and the White Sox maybe even worse than they need to be. It's it's pretty obvious to us who have been watching the White Sox all season long 
that there, and I shouldn't even say this season, the last few years, uh, that there is something systemically wrong within the organization. Uh, you know, that's nothing new. But now we've got these out-of-market people wanting to pile on, you know. Uh, and I don't know if you saw this, but uh, Daniel Greenberg came out uh, just within the last hour or two, I think it was about two hours ago, and said, you know, according to Jesse Rogers at ESPN, uh, you know, Tim Anderson moved his locker to the corner and is completely disconnected from this team, moved his locker to the corner at the start of the season. Uh, I would say that's pretty irresponsible reporting, number one, because uh, it is not unheard of for guys to move lockers from one season to the next, number one. Number two, generally corner locker spots that are away from the media frenzy are reserved for veteran players who draw a lot of media attention. Not only that, the ones that you know do draw a lot of media attention, there's actually more space down there in those corner areas for the media to come down so that these guys aren't completely surrounded and, and stuffed into a you know, a four by four space and they've got microphones and cell phones and cameras shoved in their face. This is nothing new. So, you know, those types of things. And Jesse Rogers, I mean, of all people, he really, you know, but when Jesse Rogers reports this kind of stuff, you know, the rest of the out of market media jumping in and, and really kind of blowing this thing up, it kind of just feels like, it it feels dirty to me. You know, none of these guys know what's going on inside the White Sox clubhouse. And they're just kind of piling on. Part of me thinks that some of these out of media guys are like, well, let's roll this thing up. And hopefully the White Sox don't pick up Tim Anderson's option next year. And we can get ourselves a shortstop on the cheap in the offseason. You know, yeah. I don't know, man. Yeah, I, I don't mean, know. I, I didn't, it's a shame the way it's all going down. Oh, yeah, it's ridiculous. Uh, you know, I Jesse Rogers is a is a Cubs guy, technically. Um, and he's covering, but he's a Chicago guy. Yeah, he's covering the White Sox for ESPN 1000 when they got, you know, <laughs> when they picked up the White Sox. Um, I, I don't, I didn't hear the radio segment this morning. Um, I've only heard the, uh, stuff going on in the, in the, you know, about things that he did say. Um, and he was chucking buses left and right saying that Eloy's not a hard worker. Yoan's a malcontent, blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, you know, now Jesse Rogers is a big name on the national news front because he's the one that's breaking all these things. And so he's like, oh, I wonder how much run I could get out there in the uh, national spotlight. And I, you know, I'm not saying that this stuff is not true. Um, and we'll get to the uh, Keenan Middleton and uh, Lance Lynn stuff in a little bit. Um, I kind of wanted to break all this stuff up into a couple of different segments just to give us a breather from all this nonsense for a few minutes. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's just, it's, you know, it's not that the, the White Sox fans have any illusion that this is, that this team gets along. It's not, they have any illusion that the team is good, uh, because we've seen the performance for the last two years. I mean, just things have just not been good. Um, so 
yeah, it's just been, it's been ugly. And, uh, this, uh, fisticuffs between, uh, Ramirez and TA certainly didn't help things at all. And, you know, you got Kopech getting uh, a game, you got Classe getting a game, Pedro and, uh, you know, wow, what's the, the third base coach for the, the guardians also getting a game. I think somebody else got a game. I mean, it's just, no, but to your point, the big thing in that whole thing is, is why is, you know, Tim getting six games and Jose only getting three. And, uh, you know, obviously, uh, TA is in the lineup tonight, you know, which uh, no shock to me. Um, I would be shocked if Jose Ramirez was not also in, uh, the I think lineup both of them are the appealing, actually. Well, and that's that's why I'm saying it's not a shock because you know the players are part of a union. The union is going to advise any time that there's suspension, no matter what the suspension is doled out for. They're going to advise to appeal that suspension. Uh, and I would say probably 98 to 99 percent of the time there will be a reduction in those suspensions in most cases. Yeah. Uh, so you know. It's it's pretty much the obvious choice to do so, but you know, regardless, the fact that they've got different, you know, levels of punishment is kind of a shocker. So, you know, we'll see how the the final outcome plays out. But yeah, I can't agree with you more on that. Yeah, uh, Garrett Cole just left the game at uh, I think 105 pitches. Uh, just gave up two singles in a row, one to Gavin Sheets, and then uh, Trace Thompson pinch ran for him, and then uh, Elvis Andrus singled two. Grace Thompson. Uh, so, um, trade deadline. Uh, we got the first couple of deals uh, talked about last week uh, with the Geo and Raylo trade for uh, Edgar Caro and Kai Bush, and then uh, Lance Lynn and Joe Kelly for Nick De- Nick Nastrini, Jordan Leisure, and Trace Thompson, uh, and also Kendall Graveman for Corey Lee from the Astros. Uh, on the the uh, because we did our last stream on the thirty first, uh, the trade deadline was on the first. Um, I was traveling, so I couldn't do a stream with you, so we missed out on that. But uh, a couple of deals did go down. Um, uh, we'll talk about uh, two of these deals first, and then we'll talk about the uh, the bigger one last. Uh, so. Actually, you know what? Let's start with Jake Berger. Jake Berger gets traded to the Marlins for uh, left-handed st- starting pitcher uh, Jake Eater, who's in Double A, and uh, he had TJ, and he was one of the top pitchers in uh, the minor leagues. And he ended up having to have TJ in twenty-one, I believe. Um, and he missed uh, twenty-two, and he's been making his way back this season. And uh, he's looked pretty good. He didn't look great in his first start, uh, but I don't really put any stock into that whatsoever because, um, you know, when a guy gets completely uprooted and whatever, I don't really, I'm not surprised at all if they don't, if they don't perform as, as well as they normally do. Um, I mean, and you, you can look no farther than, uh, all of the rest of the guys that the White Sox acquired. Not one of them's had like a really, really phenomenal, starting, you know, start to their White Sox uh, minor league career. Uh, Edgar Caro, on the other hand, has uh, in the last like four or five games or whatever, he did uh, manage to, I think he drove in like five or six RBI in the uh, 
in the series against the uh, Trash Pandas, his old team, uh, over the last week. Um, but uh, so Jake Berger goes for Jake Eater. Um, on a baseball level, um, this is, again, one of those things that White Sox Twitter has been going off about one way or the other. Some people are like, you know, we got a very good value for Jake Berger. Other people are like, how could you trade Jake Berger? He's not the problem. If anything, he's one of the guys that you wanted to keep. Um, which side of the fence are you on? Uh, well, I have a couple of different ways to look at this one. Uh, yeah, Jake Berger was a very likable guy. Uh, the whole story really? of everything that he went through, uh, you know, going through all the injuries, making his way back, especially after, you know, hearing God knows where these rumors come from. But, you know, White Sox Twitter was, uh, you know, just a, a overflowing with rumors about what happened to Jake Berger during his uh, torn Achilles you know, stand, you know, his stand down. Uh, and, you know, there was stuff like, oh, he's sitting at home in de- being depressed and playing Fortnite and eating pizza and gaining 300 pounds and all these yeah. things. And Jake Berger paid no attention to any of that stuff, got himself right, healed up, came back, worked his way through the minor league system and made his way up to this, you know, to the ball club uh, and was a very serviceable fill-in for Yohan Moncada. Was he the defensive player that Yohan Moncada is? No, but the stick talks. Uh, and, you know, his wife, Ashlyn, was just a huge, huge uh, influence in White Sox Twitter. Everybody loved her and loved her energy. All the the picks that she would throw up with Jake's baby. And, you know, he was here for this home run and he was here for daddy's next home run. And, you know, all of that stuff was great. It was a great story. That being said, uh, you know, especially now with all this stuff coming out about, you know, Yohan Moncada, if any of it's true about him being just a, a malcontent in the clubhouse. But, you know, I think you know, because Jake Berger was under so much control, so much team control, I I personally would have liked to have gotten more back for him. I think, you know, yes, Eater has got a high potential but again, as we've said before, and we'll say it probably more often in the future, uh, prospects are suspects. So whether or not Eater pans out, <coughs> excuse me, uh, is is another question. But you know, being that he's a pitcher, you know, Sox tend to have a better reputation on development of pitchers. Uh, yeah, it's tough to see Jake go. At the same time. You know, he wasn't the greatest defender. So, I, you know, I don't really know how to feel about it. I hope that Eater turns out to be everything that these scouts are are touting him on. But uh, that remains to be seen. So I'm kind of on the fence, to be completely honest with you, with that move. Because I, I myself really like Jake a lot. So what do you think? What What's your feeling on the whole situation? Um. <sighs> So I have I have a few thoughts as well. Um, one of the one of the main things that I have is that the same people that complain about the White Sox developmental system 
are the same people that are complaining about Jake Berger getting traded. Meaning, right. <laughs> they say that the White Sox can't develop anybody and that, you know. But he is a 100% homegrown talent. But he is a homegrown talent, and he's, uh, you know, he's hitting like, uh, I don't know, in Miami, he's only hitting like 213 or something like that. Um, he was only hitting roughly around there here as well. He just had a bunch of home runs, and he had a great attitude and a great story. And I like Jake as a person, but to complain about the developmental system and say they can't develop anybody and then complain when they trade a guy who's hitting 213 despite his OPS is you know fairly high because he did hit quite a few home runs is kind of kind of goofy, you know um, that said, um, you know I'm I like the I, I like Jake Eater. Uh, and I like the fact that his floor is high. You know, is that, uh, you know, he's already had TJ. Uh, his slider is just gross. Uh, his uh, his, <laughs> fast be- his fastball is nice with a lot of carry. Um, he changes his speed a lot, changes his uh, eye levels a lot. Um, yeah, he had a, a rough first outing, but... Uh, you know, I do. I, I like I like the deal. Um, I don't know that Jake Berger is going to play well enough on defense that it's something that I'm going to be mad about. Right. Like he That's... may he may hit forty home runs. It's entirely possible. Um, he might turn into Max Muncie, and that's great. And, you know, that works for the Dodgers, but the Dodgers also spend uh, a lot of money uh, and they go out and they get a Mookie Betts. They get a Freddie Freeman, you know, like they go out and do all sorts of awesome things that the White Sox just do not do. Right. And, you know, if if that can get us a guy who's going to be a solid two in the rotation and he's left-handed... I'm all for it. Oh, you're left-handed, you say? Yeah. What is this? Who is this left-handed? What is what is this thing that you speak of? Exactly. And, I have you know, not seen a left-handed starter in so long. I'm not sure I know what one looks like. Exactly. You look at the draft. Everybody except for one guy was left-handed hitters. Uh, they drafted a bunch of left-handed pitching. Last year, they drafted a bunch of left-handed pitching. It's almost like, you know, they realize that there is an issue with left-handed pitching and Mike Shirley is doing something to address that. So, I mean, I don't, I, I, yes, I'm sad that Berger (laughs) went, uh, but you know, when we talked, uh, with Nick, uh, a couple of weeks back, we mentioned that Berger could be traded and I wouldn't be surprised if he was traded. Guess what? He got traded. So, I mean, I'm not mad about it. Um, and no, they definitely got value back for him. I was I just like I said, with the amount of control Jake had, I was hoping for a little more. But you know, I'm not upset with what we got in return. Uh, you know, all the scouts seem really high. I mean, and I'm not talking about White Sox scouts. I'm talking about scouts across baseball are really high on this kid. Yeah. So, you know, uh, we'll see how it plays out. But yeah, I, you know, it's just a tough one to swallow because he was a likable guy. But likable guy and, you know, performance on the field are two different things if you want to be a contender. And unfortunately, these things happen. So 
Yeah, it's it's yep. a tough pill to swallow, but you know, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Now, having saying that, said that, you know, Yohan Mankata is not exactly swinging it right now either, and nobody's taking his contract, so we're going to be stuck with him at third for a while. Yeah, like, that's exactly. Yeah, that's another thing is that you know, no matter what happens, he's here at least next year. Yeah, at the at bare minimum next yeah, year. Yeah, nobody's nobody's gonna take a twenty four million dollar contract for a guy hitting two fifteen with a five eighty three OPS. It's just not happening. Right. And especially since he doesn't stay on the field enough. Now, you know, if he can put together a nice half season, then you know, okay, great. But uh he just struck out swinging and Yeah. Uh um, yeah, and it's it's difficult to see where he's gonna be next year. Uh, you know, this thing about his back keeps recurring uh pedro Grafal, of all people coming out and talking about this thing because pedro Grafal had a very similar injury to his back that derailed his professional career so uh you know we'll see how that kind of goes in the off season whether they opt to rehab him or you know do some kind of surgical repair but uh you know his uh his future is kind of in limbo at the moment too obviously they're gonna let him play through it for the rest of the season, but uh, you know, we'll see how things go in a couple months here. Yeah. Uh, Zach Remillard uh, sacrificed bunt and then an error by Tommy, old friend Tommy Canely. Uh, Andrew Ben Andrew Benintendi sack fly uh, makes it 3-1 White Sox and Luis Robert doubles, uh, bringing in Andrus and Zach Remillard. White Sox up 5-1. to one. Uh, Eloy and Yoan both strike out to end the inning. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's awesome. Um, but uh, five Either chasing in ridiculous fashion, by the way, five one five one, I guess. Uh, so uh, yeah, I mean, I'll take a I'll take a win over Garrett Cole any day. <laughs> you know what I mean? The guy's got uh, Cy Young written all over him right now. Yep. So uh, to come out here and do what we're doing, uh, you know, very happy to see that. Yeah, uh, so another uh, move that was made by the White Sox, uh, and this one's interesting, um, as you are talking about one of the former um, top uh, prospect pitching prospects in baseball at one point uh, for the Padres and then for the Rays as well. Uh, Luis Patino is purchased by the White Sox and uh I don't know. I guess we see uh where this one goes, you know, he's been kind of underwhelming. Uh his command's been a little bit of an issue for him in uh you know, basically at every level he's gone to. I've seen a couple of uh experts go as far as calling him the biggest bust of the 21st century to this point. <laughs> So, you know, it didn't really cost the Sox much to uh, purchase him. If they can get something out of him, that's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, you know, for his uh, Charlotte debut, it was pretty underwhelming. He went two, two innings, uh, gave up two runs, uh, three hits. Uh, he walked a guy, I believe. Yeah, he walked a guy, and he struck out one. So, uh, I don't know, but we'll see what we, we'll see what we get out of him, um, you know. Whatever. We'll see. Uh, So the other deal that was made on trade deadline day was Keenan Middleton for uh, to the Yankees for uh, starting pitcher Juan Carella, who uh, pitched for the dash on Sunday. 
and uh, threw a quality start, six innings, uh, gave up one run. I think he struck out five or six. Uh, didn't walk anybody, I don't believe. Only gave up a couple of hits. Guy looks like he has his stuff together. I'm pretty thrilled with it. Yeah. yeah. Kenya Middleton, you know, he had a little bit of a career revival here on the south side. Uh, you know, for the most part, looked like a, a, a pretty solid bullpen arm for the Sox. And uh, the Sox made something of it. And uh, I can't say that, uh, you know, I, at first I was, you know, unhappy to see him go. But, again, the Sox were in a mode of uh, we're going to get rid of anybody that's not going to be part of this thing next year, so let's try to get what we can back for him. And it turns out that, uh, you know, on top of getting something back, it might have been a good move to let him go because he's, you know, he's got a problem with flapping his gums. Yeah, we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, so other yeah. the other deals that were made – um, post trade deadline, um, the White Sox pick up Brent Honeywell from uh, off waivers from the Padres. Um, you may remember Brent Honeywell was a uh, top 100 prospect for quite a while. Ended up having TJ and kind of uh, lost some of the luster, uh, but he came into the game tonight for the White Sox. Uh, Santos was it Santos? That no, it was uh, Sammy Peralta was sent back down. They brought Honeywell up. Uh, he got through his inning. You know, not without a little bit of drama, but he went through and did that. He's got some uh, some really nasty pitches. He throws a screwball. He's got a uh, nice slider, nice changeup, nice fastball. Um, we'll see if the White Sox can't work with him some more and uh, develop him into uh, something as uh, things go on here. Uh, the White Sox also acquired two right-handed pitchers from the Dodgers for international uh, bonus money. They signed uh, all, or they uh, traded for. Um, Aldrin Batista, uh, 20 years old from Dominican. He's got a low 90 sinker. His fastball is hit 97. He's got a slow, uh, a slower, uh, low eighties, uh, slider. Uh, he's got, a, he does have a change that he, that he throws every once in a while. It's not really a, not really a thing, but, um, he had a 32.6, uh, 32.6% swinging strike rate and was second in the ACL, and uh, I think he led the ACL in strikeouts before the trade. Um, so he might be something. I don't know. We'll see. I, I was actually just about to say of uh, some of the uh, lesser-known moves that the White Sox made, this one intrigues me quite a bit. Uh, you know, again, he's he's still young, still kind of at the lower levels. Uh, you know, there's uh, some development and some time before we'll see him, you know, make his way to an MLB ball club. But uh I'm kind of intrigued to uh, see what he's going to bring to the table. Yeah. Uh, the other guy that they picked up was uh, also a right-handed pitcher, uh, Maximo Martinez. He's 19 out of Venezuela. He gets up to uh, 98 on his fastball. He's got a plus-plus slider uh, that's in the upper 80s. And uh, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, both of them are our starters as of right now. Um, we'll see where that you know where that ends up actually you know, being, and I'm assuming that we'll probably end up seeing both of them probably with Canny uh, later on in the season or uh, next year in Canny because, you know, with all those college pitchers that they've got coming from the draft, I wouldn't be surprised if those guys came up first and they allowed those guys to pitch a little bit more in the ACL before they brought them up. Um, right. 
Uh, the White Sox also signed a uh, right-handed relief pitcher, Chris Muller. Uh, he was re- most recently uh, in the AAA in the Rays system. And uh, I don't know. His numbers are okay. I'm not really uh, – to me, this kind of seems like one of those uh, deals where it's like they pick – you know, they see something in him, and they're hoping that maybe they can fine-tune a couple of things and get him to uh, maximize his potential. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens there whatever. Um, so the White Sox did release Alex Colomay the other day, um, which I was actually kind of surprised by because, you know, not that I was expecting him to come up, not that I was expecting for him to, uh, White Sox got two outs in the top of the ninth here. Uh, Brian show on, on the mound. We'll see what happens here. Uh, you know, I was just kind of surprised with how much of a train wreck Charlotte's pitching has been this year and the fact that the White Sox have brought up Declan Cronin, Lane Ramsey. Uh, I mean, they sent Sammy Peralta back, but... uh, He did get his cup of coffee. You know, it's just that... You know, the fact that... I. I don't know. Maybe they were doing him a solid and hoping somebody picks him up in the, uh, you know, for a playoff run or something like that. Uh, that's the only thing I can figure because I don't really see a whole lot of a point to them letting him go, other than that they just don't see him as part of the future. So they're just like, ah, eh, whatever. We're we're done for for this year, so we're just gonna let you go. Could be. Um. Uh, as we mentioned, uh, Declan, Clon- Declan Cronin and Lane Ramsey both made their debuts with the White Sox. Um, so, like I said, about time on the Lane Ramsey thing, I was feeling, but you know, again, yeah, it's not continue. like we've been talking about that for uh, six months minimum. That you, would, <laughs> right. you know, that both of those guys would be up, um, especially with some of the flailing performances that we've seen out of, you know, a couple of the guys in the bullpen. Yeah. And all the injuries. I mean, with all the injuries, you figure these guys would have gotten some run somewhere, but, uh, you know, there was, uh, you know, whatever I'll take it at this point. Uh, I'm just happy that both of those guys are getting a, getting a shot up in the, up in the bigs. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Brian Shaw is at two, two right now, uh, on McKinney in the top of the ninth. We shall see what happens. Now, these kids are trying to get a strikeout, and then their guys are trying to get a strikeout, but they're all wearing Yankees. Uh, There it is. There it is. Ball game. White Sox Sox on a winning streak. I get three in a row. When's the last time that's happened? Yeah, I know. They get to tear off another piece (laughs) on the Jerry Reinsdorf uh, picture. Oh, Oh, not All right. pretty pictures on the show tonight, Ann. Nah. I mean, now I gotta, I gotta, uh, you know, when we go off air here, I gotta go upstairs and shove a fork in my ear to stab out my mind's eye after Just that one. Mental bleach. Uh, all right. So Oof. we talked about the uh, trade deadline and we broke up this stuff. Let's get to the Keenan Middleton comments. Oh, boy. Here we go. Woo. <laughs> Keenan Middleton gets traded to the Yankees, and uh, a a report came out from Jesse Rogers last night. Go ahead and bring. Go ahead and test that theory. I will hold you accountable, my good sir. Banhammer incoming. (laughs) Um, So basically, uh, Keenan was asked about the culture in the White Sox uh, clubhouse, and more or less, he threw. 
everybody in the organization in the management level under the bus through Gregory Santos under the bus. And so the fans were uh, let let to run free with that for a few hours. Indeed. Lance Lynn did a spot on foul territory with our friend uh, AJ Persinski. And um, he asked him if he had anything to say about it. And Lance Lynn basically said, well, I'll tell you what Keenan Middleton got wrong. And then just gave silence for 10 seconds. They kind of picked up what he was putting down. Um, You know. Yeah, he alluded to the fact that he had been part of the club longer than Keenan Middleton. And uh, that was about it. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Middleton also mentioned that, you know, that this stuff had been going on before he got there and that that more of the same stuff was still going on. Um, And this is all the stuff that the White Sox fans feared that, you know, again, you have no rules. You have feared or no, or or felt like they knew. Or I mean, I'm sure that everybody thought that they knew, but they hoped that this wasn't the case, and that the I mean, I with how bad that teams performed, I don't necessarily know that any White Sox fan thought that this was not the case. Uh. As Grimtall mentions, uh, Rick Hahn explained it all the way, though. Uh, he came out and did a press conference, said that the T.A. Grandal thing was not true, um, said that Keenan Middleton, in fact, had done some unprofessional things and actually apologized to Rick Hahn before he was traded and said he would come back as a free agent and that uh, it's just all sour grapes and says that, you know, we're trying to uh, build a, you know, some sort of a uh, culture here that's going to be with winning, blah, blah, blah. Um, Yeah, tried to to say that they had been forthcoming about knowing that uh, there was a need to change culture. Uh, I don't really know what he means by they'd been forthcoming over the last several six weeks or so. Uh, you know, you know, sure they said they needed to make some changes, but they didn't really go into detail about any of it. So I don't know what he's talking about. He's he's pulling the old Rick Hahn lawyer speak with uh, we're we're we've been forthcoming. I mean, not quite there, Ricky, but uh, not so much. Yeah, no. But go ahead, continue. I'm sorry. I mean, I'm just uh, at this point has Rick Hahn with the way that this team has operated. Um, and one thing that I didn't even bring up uh, about the Jake Berger trade is that Kim Eng from the Marlins said that she had contacted uh, Kenny Williams. And that's who made the trade of Jake Berger was Kenny Williams. So you had people this week saying, oh, well, who's really in charge over there? And. So, I mean, it's just... Well, I mean, we've all known that Kenny Williams was never going to fully give up control. I mean, this, you know, it, this is not news, people. Honestly, people want to go out there and say, oh, Rigon's not in charge. It, it was pretty obvious the keys were taken away from him a couple years ago. I don't know when TLR was hired as the, you know, the head coach. But uh, anyways, I digress. You know, whether or not they came from Jerry or Kenny... 
you know, we surmised years ago that when the rebuild began, that Rick Hahn had finally been given the keys to the organization. But since then, it's been obvious that he isn't pulling all of the strings. Yeah. So. Uh, you know, I mean, James Fox even said on, on Twitter uh, something that I agreed with, um, that the fact that, that anybody is surprised that Rick Hahn's boss would have to have approval on a trade or that would be involved in, in any of these trades is, you know, it's kind of silly in the first place. You know, it's not really all that surprising. Um, I don't know. I don't doubt one single thing that Keenan Middleton said. Um, I don't either. Rick Hahn said that some position player has, uh, sleeping issues and is seeing somebody for, for that. And he sometimes sleeps in the, in the, uh, in the, locker room and you know like the you know the fact that it, like what did Keenan Middleton get it wrong that Gregory Santos was not sleeping in the dugout cuz I'm pretty sure that he wasn't wrong <laughs> you know is the fact that many people you know it was corroborated you know by a couple of people apparently so yeah Gregory Santos yeah, it was was known to take a nap. I, I've even heard from a couple of folks on White Sox Twitter, which I'm still waiting to see the pictures, but there were a few people out there that say they have photo evidence of this. So, uh, you know, when it, if it, and when it comes out, you know, you'll have your answer. But, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I don't think that uh, Keenan Middleton is making any of these things up, which kind of is what bugs me about the statement made by Rick Hahn. So you're going to tell me that uh, Keenan Middleton came to you to apologize about some of his behavioral issues and unprofessionalism before he was traded. And then he decided to go to New York and speak out about other people's behavioral issues. Uh, Is Rick Hahn trying to spin it as though, and and, you know, when he said, I'm going to back the truck up a little bit here. He said, uh, you know, and when I say he, I mean Rick, said that, uh, you know, when they were aware of the cultural problems within their organization, that there were certain players they needed to move. And now he's trying to make it sound like the players that got moved at the deadline were those players, meaning Keenan Middleton and Lance Lynn being two of those and guys. Lucas Giolito and Kendall Graveman, they're all terrible people, and they needed to be moved because they're not the kind of culture that we want. Without it saying, without it, him saying it directly, that's kind of what it sounded like he was trying to say. It was like, we well, got rid of the guys that needed to be getting gotten rid of because those were the guys that were the problem. Those were the guys that, you know, had, you know, behavioral issues of some sort towards the culture of the organization. And I'm thinking to myself, well, first of all, we all suspected that most of those guys were going to get moved because they aren't expiring contracts. They're not going to be part of the White Sox organization. They have. Uh, agents that the White Sox don't particularly like to deal with. They're not going to get an extension at the time when the time comes. So we all kind of knew those guys were going away. Now you're telling me that the same guys that were on expiring contracts that were, uh, you know, desirable to other teams yeah. are the same guys that are not desirable to your team. Wow. Hmm. That is things quite, that make you go quite the take all the guys, <laughs> all the guys that were expiring were the problem. That's why we got right. rid of them. They were all the problem. Right. Oh, 
has nothing to do with our our management. Has nothing to do with you know the way the clubhouse is run. It's all these guys that you know they were on their way out and they just. Chio you know, is a bum. Grimtall says thank you. That's for right. That. Him and his anime. That, that's quality chat room right there, buddy. I mean, it's just it, it, <laughs> like anybody that that realistically believes anything that comes out of Rick Hahn's mouth at this, you know, with, with situations such as these, uh, needs to have their head examined. I mean, everybody should know that he's, he's on spin control, you know, he's trying to make it seem like, you know, that they've got everything under control when in fact it is 100% obvious that they have absolutely no idea what the heck's going on. And it's we know it's we have sad. issues. We're working to fix those issues. We fixed some of those issues by letting these guys go. Uh, okay. Great. Fantastic. I'm not buying it. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, despite the not fact sorry. that you know everybody thinks that Jake Berger is a fantastic fantastic human. Uh Kendall Graveman is one of the most loved teammates of every single person he's ever played with. People seem to like Geo just fine. Uh people like Lance Lynn just fine. Um I you know, and I'll say this about Jake Berger. You know, we brought up Keenan Middleton's comments. We bring up Lance Lynn's agreement on Keenan Middleton's comments. You know, you can go back to the Dallas Keiko comments a couple years ago. Uh but the thing that a lot of people aren't talking about, the thing that people seem to be forgetting right now is Jake Berger, the likable, lovable Jake Berger with the great story coming up through the White Sox farm system, is uh, in his very first post-game interview as a Miami Marlin, said that the game that he played in that night, the first game he played in a Marlins uniform, was some of the most fun baseball he had played in a quite some time. Uh, I'm going to go with there's, you know, anyone trying to defend the organization or, you know, any, you know, Rick Hahn obviously has to say these things as the face of the front office, right? You know, he's going to be the guy that's in front of the media. He's got to say these things, but I mean, come on, man, if you're going to go into spin control, like you call it, at least make it believable or, I don't know, here's a concept. We've been talking about accountability, within this organization and the front office saying that there is no lack of accountability. Well, if there's no lack of accountability, then why don't you go ahead and take this one in the face and stop trying to spin it? Cause I think fans would respect you more if you came out and said, you know what? We got this thing wrong. Yeah. We, up. we got it completely wrong. We're working to fix it. Stick around, see what we do, you know, take a line out of draft day. Don't quit now. You know, that line with Kevin Costner and uh, Dennis Miller. No, not Dennis Miller. What the hell is his name? <laughs> Dennis Miller. Wow. Wow, wow. That was, uh, oh, you know, the comedian. Oh, uh, Dennis Leary, yeah. Dennis Leary, thank yeah. you. Both of them comedians just got the last name wrong. Uh, you know, that scene at the end where he's like, I, you know, I quit. I can't coach this team. And he said, you know, don't quit now. Just, just wait till you see the team I put together. Wait till you see what I do here tonight. Let me do my job. If Rick Hahn came out and said something like that, Everybody quit. <laughs> you know, I know a lot of people don't have faith, but at the same time, I think they'd have a lot more respect for him if he just came out and said that, listen, I got it wrong. 
we made some changes in the last year or two here. We've got a new philosophy. We are not seeing it yet because, you know, those changes are going to take some time to develop. But we screwed up. Yeah. Yeah. I got egg in my face. Be Instead of trying to spit it off of you and put it on someone else, I think it would be interesting to see how people would take that. At least we get some honesty out of the organization. Yeah. I, and, you know, I, that's one thing that they had, had mentioned on the Spiegel and Parkin show uh, earlier today is that, you know, how much of this stuff could be avoided if there was any kind of transparency whatsoever? Well, that's the thing. You know, the White Sox have been known, and we've talked about it many times here, too, have been known to play their cards close to their chest. But unfortunately, there are times that call for some transparency, and we don't get it even during those times. None. None whatsoever. Uh, you see, yes, I did see the, uh, I did see Lynn's comments, and I mean, he I can say not, that he's actually. been there. He's been there for three days, so I don't really care what he has to say about their minor leaguers. He says he said that their minor leaguers come up and are ready to play. You know, right away. Well, I don't they, know. Our minor pros. leaguers seem like they are too. Honestly, they haven't been exposed to this idiotic culture here yeah no fair enough you know, but the I mean, we get the Romy Gonzalez's you get the Danny Mendix I wouldn't say that those guys aren't prepared to come up and play and play with some heart yeah I I mean like you can look at the the Dodgers and see how many guys they bring up and send back down it they send down a lot of guys that they brought up it happens all the time yeah. it's just, just one like of those other it's one of those things where only a percentage of guys make it and that's just, I mean, that's the facts is that just, you know, there is a small percentage of guys that make it up to the major leagues. And that's just the way it is. Now, have they had guys that make more of a, you know, dent than the White Sox do? Well, I mean, I would say yes. You know, they've got. At uh, least in the position player uh, yeah. realm. Yeah, no, for sure. And I'm not discounting, and I'm not saying that the Dodgers aren't a better organization than the White Sox because they absolutely are. <laughs> But I mean, you know, you're really uh, going with a high floor with that kind of. Yeah, I know. I'm really taking a <laughs> taking a hard stance here, and that I'm really stepping out on a ledge. But you know, you know, it's not like you know, like the thing is, is that when you surround your minor league guys with a better culture of, you know, the fact that you will add a Freddie Freeman, you will add a Mookie Betts. You know, you'll pay your good players to stick around and not let them walk. That kind of stuff has a direct effect on everybody in that organization. And hey, the White Sox paid some players, just happened to pay them before they ever stepped foot onto a major league <laughs> baseball field. I mean, they kept, I mean, they kept Jose Abreu for a while. They extended him. Like, I, you know, the, it's not that they don't do it. But you know, like on a team friendly contract. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, there's that. But I mean, Clayton Kershaw has been with the Dodgers for a long time and they paid him accordingly. You know, and then they went out and acquired, you know, a Manny Machado at the trade deadline. I mean, not that, you know, I don't dislike the guy, which I do, but the fact is like they go out and they get things done because they draft well and they develop pretty well. And the White Sox, for a long time, did not draft well. And that is why this team is in this situation that it's in. Because during those Nick Hostetler drafts when the team was tanking, all those draft picks, 
There's like Zach Remillard. That's it. Jake Berger's gone now. You know? What else other than that? I mean, I got you got Lane Ramsey. Declan Cronin was a 36 draft pick, 30, 36 round. You know, like those are the guys that are on the White Sox, is guys like that. That's like the only guys left from the Nick Hostetler drafts. You know, and the free agents that the White Sox have picked up. You know, like you've gotten some decent performance out of some of the bullpen arms, but the position players haven't really, you know, gotten too much out of that. So, you know, it all follows one guy around. I'm just saying. And I've been saying it for it does. a year and a half now. A couple of years now. Right. Yeah. yeah so anywho. Right there with you. Um, so I wanted to close tonight. I put a tweet out there uh for the masses that some changes are coming in the uh, minor league system. And uh, I'm not, uh, you know, like I am not going to put it out there because it's kind of one of those things that uh, unless you're told by somebody in the organization that you can put it out there, you don't because they want to clearly, clearly they want to do it. Uh, But I'm pretty stoked that there are some changes coming here, and uh, we'll find out about it tomorrow because they haven't announced it today. So it's going to be tomorrow. Um, but there's some some you know exciting stuff going, and uh, yeah, finally some promotions and some moves that uh, will excite some folks. I'm sure. Yeah, and you know, like you know, I, I posted that uh, some people are going to be you know doing cartwheels over some of the promotions that are coming, and you know. Of course, uh, the the I, I said movement in the system, and so of course everybody started uh, chiming in, asking if Pedro was getting fired or if Ricky Hahn was leaving, and uh, you know, so clearly some people are not going to be happy with the news, but nothing I can do for you, you know, is that uh, you know I don't have any control over the front office, and uh, they certainly wouldn't announce ahead of time if Rick Hahn was leaving. It would just kind of be one of those things that just dropped on everybody's head, and it would be uh, crazy. No, but um, and uh, you know, you I don't see. I, I think it would be you know totally not feasible to uh, you know cut the head off right after the uh, the trade deadline. Yeah, uh, that know, would. I mean, uh, yeah, I was, it just doesn't make any sense at this point in time. For him, it doesn't make sense for him to resign. It doesn't make sense for the White Sox to uh, let him go at this particular moment. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Uh, who was it? Was it? It was uh, Jim Hendry with the Cubs that stuck around after being uh, essentially being told he was being let go. He stuck around and did the draft for the Cubs anyway. And then as soon as the draft was over, he was gone. Uh, I don't think that that's going to be uh, what happens with uh, Rickon. Um, do you think, and I, um, I'm just going to throw this out here as a, as a last minute thing. Uh, I'll bring that up here for you in a second here, Grimtall. Do you think there's any chance that, uh, how about this? What What's the percentage that uh, Pedro Grafal's here next year? And I'm going to bring this to you. What do I up. think what it is? Yeah, yeah. Tell me what percentage you think that, <laughs> that, that Pedro Grafal is going to be here. Uh, here is the uh, the tweet for you, Grimtall. I'll bring it up on the screen. 
Do I believe he should stay? I'm again, I'm on the fence about that one only because, uh, you know, if he stepped into a clubhouse with all these lingering cultural issues that we've been talking about all night long, I would say he's probably, he, he had no idea what he himself into and why probably was unprepared to handle it. Uh, and I think, Given the White Sox past, if he were to present that to Jerry and Rick and Kenny and the talking heads and powers that be in that type of way, I think he could probably stick around for another year, two, three. (laughs) You know what I mean? And, you know, I need Rick Hahn to give me a team that is mine to go out there and perform the way I want them to perform and to buy into my philosophy. Uh, You know, besides the fact that, you know, again, if we go back to the history of things with the White Sox, it's difficult to get fired in this, in this, you know, it is anywhere in this ball club. You got to, I don't know. You know, you, you got to sexually assault someone or murder someone or, you know, I don't know. And then they're like, well, you know, uh, I guess we, we have to. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. So, yeah, uh, I'm going to go with 80. Uh, I know a lot of folks are like, what? Like, he needs to go yesterday. And you're not and necessarily disagreeing with that. You're just saying that you don't think he will. Right. Yeah, I, you know, my, my main issue here with that line of thinking is that how do you go from a, you know, from a, from a team where you don't set any rules, there are no consequences. Hi, mom. Hey, thanks for the follow there, Legacy Java, man. Appreciate it. Um. How do you go from a, a team where you have no rules, no repercussions for anything that happens? How do you go from that to trying to start a new culture in your second year after you've had this kind of a colossal train wreck of a first season? How do you go into the next season? Uh, like, do you then in your second season say, okay, well, after seeing how it was done the first year, now I'm going to make a bunch of changes because you still have a bunch of the same guys coming back next year. So how do you, you know, like? How- oh, I don't know how you. I don't know how you go. Now, here's the other thing too, though. Now, like I said earlier, and I see you on the fact that I don't believe Keenan Middleton was lying about any of what he said. But at the same time, we heard that there were rules put into place you know, going back to spring, uh, that there were going to be, you know, team meetings, guys were going to show up for, you know, batting practice at this time. They were going to do their, uh, you know, workouts and, and their fielding practice at this time. And you're, you know, this, none of this, I did it earlier or do it tomorrow. We heard all those things. Right. So I believe there probably were some rules set in place. What I think happened though, is when you get some of this, bad culture that was going around. I think those rules probably were not enforced. I'm not saying that there weren't any rules. I just think that, you know, maybe when I say he was faced with some things that he probably was totally unprepared for, I think that's what I'm saying is that 
it was a group of guys, especially, you know, when it came out that there were a bunch of veterans, you know, a la Bob Nightingale saying there were a bunch of veterans that didn't want to be here anymore and would like to have been traded at the trade deadline. You know, when you get a group of guys that kind of team up against you and against the culture that you are trying to instill, makes it really difficult to enforce those rules and still be able to feel the team. Yeah, no, I I mean, if, if you take the like the the different reports and then kind of combine them, like I can understand how you how you could look at it that way that, you know, if there's already an entrenched like bad feeling in the clubhouse, how that's going to uh, affect things and that maybe you might need to bring some fresh blood in here to kind of. You know, honestly, I don't know, bit, but I'm. But, I mean, I'm trying to. Yeah, I fit the pieces together and see where they go. But you know, we'll never really know how far that rabbit hole goes. So you're telling me that you don't know definitively what happened in the clubhouse, and you don't understand that uh, you don't no, know and exactly I will never claim happened. to either. Even though uh, White Twitter seems to think otherwise. Whew. And yep. I, I should say, is it White Sox X now? Uh, is I that you know? What do we call I, it anymore? I don't know. I, you know, I had actually wondered about that. It, you know, like we call it White Sox Twitter. Is it going to be WSX now instead of WST? I don't know. Uh, I'll let somebody else with a, you know, a bigger pay grade uh, tell me yeah, what I'm going to call that. Um, so, I don't know. We'll see what happens in the next week. Um I'm kind of curious, you know, this is one thing that we were talking about uh, leading up to the trade deadline is that uh, we were thinking maybe, Yas, you know, Yasmani Grandal would be gone and that uh, Elvis Andres would be gone. And I know that a bunch of people on White Sox uh, Twitter X uh, were calling for that as well. And I had mentioned it on Twitter as well. You know, it. I know that if and somebody said, oh, well, these guys have been on the 40 man for the year, so you can't trade them. Not true. You still can't Wrong. trade them, but you have to pass them through regular waivers to your minor leagues to be able to trade them. Um, will they try and do that with Yasmani Grandal and Elvis Andrus? Uh, I don't know. Uh, but if you noticed over the last, uh, I don't know, week or so, Elvis Andrus has turned into Elvis Andrus from August of last year. And uh, he's been hitting pretty stinking well, uh, just like he did last year in August. So uh, maybe, you know, how you have uh, Abreu, you know, uh, August Abreu, maybe you've got August Andrus as well. Maybe it's the double A, you know, that's what does it. I don't know. Um, But we'll see what happens. Um, You know, maybe we'll be seeing about uh, some movement here and uh, maybe somebody gets, maybe somebody gets dumped, DFA'd, whatever. I'm not expecting a whole lot. Um, but at the same time, I don't really see uh, much of a point in starting these guys that we know are going to be not here next year. It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. So we'll see what happens. So uh, you got anything else? No. Culture. Culture, culture, culture. Culture, culture. Yep. That's that's it. What's the word of the day? The culture club. Uh oof. Ouch. Boy George. Culture Club. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, at Daily White Karma Sox on Twitter. Chameleon. Karma Chameleon. Yes, sir. Very true. Uh, it comes <laughs> and goes. Uh, so uh, at Daily White Sox on Twitter. Uh, George. Boy George and the White Sox. Exactly. Tumble for you. Yeah. I will tumble for you. Um, 
You can search us up on YouTube, uh, whitesoxdaily.substack.com. Uh, we have a YouTube page. We have a Facebook group. Uh, my name is Ian Eskridge at iEskridge on Twitter. Uh, at uh, Danny Miller WSD is where you can find the Danny Miller. Um, we will talk at you guys next week. Hopefully there is something uh, positive to talk about. There's some uh, positive things happening up on the White Sox, and uh, hopefully it's the kind of positive thing that doesn't lead to too many wins and we still get a decent draft pick, but uh, we'll see. Um, Time will tell. Yeah. So anyway, my name's Ian. That's Danny over, no, over there. Uh, We will talk to you guys uh, next week. You have a good night as well, Pusher. Grimtall, have a great night. Uh, Good night, guys. Thanks for checking in. Yeah, and we will talk to you guys next week on Monday. You guys have a great night. Thanks. Bye.